welcome to the Dome Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Experiences. My name is Kishan and I'm going to be speaking with Anand today. Hey Anand. Hi Kishan. So Anand, I've been uh, hearing a lot about Greece. A lot of folks, a lot of uh, friends of mine had been to Greece last year. And the only thing that I can visualize about Greece in particular are those uh, beautiful islands which, which are in blue and whitish in color. Right. I would I would presume from what I know and what I've seen it's Santorini or so. Yeah, that's right. True. And uh, being a runner myself, uh, I know that the marathon as such started off from there. Yeah, right? that's there is a historic there's some form of history around around that. Yes. And of course it being Olympics, right? right? Olympics also started off in Greece. Right. So if you could just uh, Give us an overview of uh, Greece in particular. What are the other places apart from these that traveled to last time? That would be helpful. Because also I know that a lot of people generally go down there as a part of their honeymooning. Right? It's a romantic place to get to. Yes. I know that you uh, are more of a history buff. So you wouldn't be into romance when you travel. Right? <laughs> yeah. And for a matter of fact, I know that you didn't travel with family. Yeah, that's, that, that, that doesn't make a difference. Though. Yes, yes, I do agree. I do agree on that. Yeah, so over to you, Anand. Okay, let me just tell you. Uh, most people think Greece is about honeymoon, romance, etc. Of course it is. The thing is, just remember that uh, when you talk Mykonos, Santorini and those uh, regular islands, that's on one side. That's on the eastern side. That's where the Aegean uh, Sea is. And on the western side is the Ionian Sea. Okay. So, essentially, you have, uh, Greece is surrounded by the Aegean, Ionian and the Mediterranean Seas. And uh, it's, it's, it's the crucible of culture, so to say. You know, there's a history. It's as old. History is as old as history is. The culture is as ancient as anything else. And other than that, it's, of course, a lovely place to visit. Mountainous mainland. Very idyllic kind of light, uh, uh, beaches that you have. Tranquil, olive groves, rugged mountains, white houses with the blue domes, mm-hmm. as you rightly said. Mm-hmm. Being there in a lot of Hollywood and Bollywood films, right. etc. It's it's also the home of Alexander the Great, for instance. Mm. It's also the home of Aristotle. It's also Plato. It's also Socrates. It's where philosophy was born. Uh, I mean, the Greek philosophy, really. Almost as ancient as the Indian one. Maybe right. India is slightly more ancient. But uh, yes, as you rightly said, it's the birthplace of the Olympics. It started in 776 BC, man. I mean, right. People have been running bloody marathons when balconies are not there. So right. you could run balcony marathons. Right. And so it's a place like that. All that you have to remember is to go to Greece, you have to be interested in one of these. Either culture or history or food or natural beauty or beaches. It could be anything. So Greece has something for everybody. Mm. All that's required in that place, in Greece especially, is that, you know, so so this is a place that prides itself on on laziness. Mm-hmm. On hearty food, good conversations, great music, lively conversations, really, great dancing and all that. So all you need to pack for a Grecian holiday is bundles of laziness. You have to know, you cannot be sitting down and saying, okay, in one hour I finish this, then I do that, then you do this. You won't experience Greece. You can do it, of course, but you won't experience Greece in its essence. For that, you have to have time. This is an ideal destination for slow travel. So how much time do you recommend in which case? You know, you give me three months and tell me go explore Greece. I will still have things left to do. Okay. 
Most people, however, get into it. So, so as long as you have taken, there is enough and more to do. Mm-hmm. I will find things to do out there for you. Okay. Um, most people, however, go in uh, and treat this as Mykonos, Santorini, Athens. Do a whistle dog five days, six days, and come back. Mm-hmm. You can do that if you don't have time. You can go do it and come back. But then uh, you will miss out on a lot. Let me give you a few. Um, Glimpses of what are other things that you have, right? Okay. And I'll just stick to the Asian coast because not the Indian coast because this side is what most people go in, mm-hmm. right? So um, the Asian coast, of course, uh, you ha- you have Athens, uh, which is the capital, and Athens has lots. Right. I mean, you can literally spend months together in Athens and still not completely discover it. Mm-hmm. It's every stone there is modernity, there's ancient art, there's history, there is culture everywhere. The prime among them is, of course, the Acropolis, the most famous one, the Acropolis with the Parthenon on top and all of that. Most people get into the Acropolis, miss out the Acropolis Museum, but that museum is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Budget at least half a day to go there when you go. Wow! Uh, it's in a different place. It's not at the Acropolis itself. It's close by, but the history of the Acropolis will actually be explained at the museum. You will only realize it when you go to that. Museum. It's something just like I remember when we went down to Cambodia. Right. Is they recommended that you should go around. Visit the museum. That's right, and that will help you to try and understand the historical significance. That's right. That's right. So uh, the Acropolis itself, you know. So for instance, when I said, you know, you walk the place where art and history and legend is, they've got a theater of Dionysus. Okay, now that's the theater where if you are a drama fan or a literature fan, you know, when you're walking there, you will see that, or I at least felt this is the place where a person like a Euripides or an Aristophanes. Stage that place for the first time, man. Mm-hmm. It's like the Globe Theatre in Stratford upon Avon for Shakespeare fans, or uh, uh, the Agora, the meeting place and the marketplace, etc. They had that is a place when you walk around that place and the ruins. You know this is the path that Socrates and Plato walked on, mm-hmm. or this is the place that Socrates sat in and talked to his uh, disciples while his wife shouted at him at home. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they didn't have mobile phones mm-hmm. or they should have called him. There's the Plaka, of course, which is a beautiful area. There's the Monastrachi Street, which is a flea market out there, and you can get almost anything out there. Very bohemian street vibe, lots of things to purchase. Small, narrow, cobbled streets, and it's a beautiful place to be in. And then there's the Camp uh, uh, Cape Sovinian. So there's a temple out there, which is uh, to Poseidon, mm-hmm. uh, which is there on the Cape, and there's a lot of history around that. So when the king sent his son out to capture Crete and come back, the son comes back. I don't know if you read my blog on Crete. You must read it. It's a very detailed blog. You might get bored also, but it's a lot of detail in it. Mm-hmm. He sent him to Crete to capture the uh, to fight with the Minoans, and when he came back, he told him that you know put up this uh, flag on your ship when you come back, so I know that you're alive from a distance. And then he stood at Sovinian Cape and kept looking out there. Now, uh, our friend who went out there generally got slightly wasted. He won the war and won the battle, etc. But he got slightly wasted on booze and he forgot to put up the flag. Mm-hmm. The king saw this day, uh, thought that his son was dead, and he jumped into the sea and died. That's how the name Aegean Sea comes for that sea from the name of the king. It's that kind of legend and history that is embroiled everywhere, and that temple to Poseidon is beautiful, absolutely. Especially if you go and watch the sunset from there. So that's about Athens. Lots to do out there. Lots of culture. Lots of history that you get out there. Um, I actually went off to the north of Greece. Okay, now that's beautiful country. Very less tourists who go out there, and it's it's not the sea. Okay, it's beautiful country. It's all of history. Okay, so I had this bucket list item of mine that I wanted to visit the monasteries of Meteora. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot about it, about uh, Meteora, uh, sorry, about a monastery being constructed right on the top. Yeah. And why would one have a monastery right on the top? Right. So, so these are like, these are what they call finger rocks because they're just straight finger-like formations of rock right on top of that they have this. It's very difficult to climb up. How, how, do, how does one go up? So, right now there is a road and uh, in some of the monasteries you have to climb up steps that have been made. Okay. But in those days that was not there. Mm-hmm. So, the monks would climb up and then two objectives in that. One is they're forced into seclusion. Mm-hmm. and therefore meditation and serving God and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The second was there were a lot of attacks happening from the Ottomans and others. Mm-hmm. So this ensured that they were right on top. The enemies could not come out there to persecute them. They're Greek Orthodox, really. mm-hmm. uh, Greek Orthodox Christians. In fact, you would find that in one place there are these pulley system that's there through which the monks out up there used to lower baskets. Mm-hmm. with money and the villagers would put uh, uh, food stuff etc inside that they'd pull up the basket it was that difficult to come down and go up mm-hmm. now of course there's a road that goes up to a certain point there are a lot of monasteries there only a few of them are currently operational in fact uh, one of them that I went to is currently operational which has only male monks and that required a bit of a walk I mean you have to, from a certain point you've got to climb up that's Meteora and it's, it's beautiful Yakishan you you must see it it's just yeah, I've, seen, I've seen pictures of it it looks really beautiful and quite stunning because the way that uh, you know it's it's a narrow rock as you said and it's uh, you see a monastery right on top right on top and it's beautifully constructed and especially during when the sun is starting to go down it, it cuts quite a striking silhouette Mm-hmm. On the foothills of that is this town called Kalabaka. That's where you typically stay, and then you start going up the, uh, mm-hmm. the to, to visit the Meteora mm-hmm. monasteries. Kalabaka, especially, is a great experience. It's a very small town, not very high end accommodation available, comfortable accommodation is available there. But it's on the overhang of these rock monasteries. So those finger rocks are there, and on the foothills is this. Beautiful setting, lovely little small town, cobbled streets, small eating joints and all that. It's a, it's a lovely experience. So how far is uh, this place from Athens? So from Athens, um, uh, this would be what? Easily about uh, six to seven hours. So you drive down there? That would you could drive down, you can take a train and go down there any of the ways. And what did you do? I took a car in that because I wanted to visit Delphi on the way. Okay. You heard of the Oracle yes. of Delphi. Right? Yes, yes. So the Oracle of Delphi was in a particular place and this was, uh, Delphi was this place which was considered to be center of the earth mm-hmm. by the Greeks and there was an Oracle who used to sit out there. The legend is that she would sit and at a particular time, so all major decisions by the Greek kings and everyone would be done after consulting the Oracle of Delphi. Mm-hmm. They'd go out there, put a question and she'd typically speak in riddles. Mm-hmm. And then you, the priests out there would kind of uh, translate the riddle for you so that even Alexander, for instance, before he set out to capture Persia and India and all of that, he had gone to the Oracle of Delphi and asked her whether he... Does that how the Oracle uh, came into existence from the movie Matrix? A lot of these things come out of from the Oracle of Delphi and the legend of Delphi and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's quite fascinating. That place is quite fascinating. The Spartans used to go in, you know, that warrior-like race that was there. Mm-hmm. They also used to take spoils of war and a portion of it they'd go and uh, give at the temple of Apollo. Mm-hmm. That's there in Delphi. Mm-hmm. And uh, that still exists. So the ruins still exist, beautifully preserved. I had quite a ball of a time uh, going around there. I spent a lot of time actually going around there and uh, you know just visualizing how it could have been at one mm-hmm. point. The legend is Alexander went out there and the Oracle of Delphi was not uh, in the mood for it. So she said, I'm not going to come and give you audience. He went inside and dragged her out by the hair. Wow. And then she said something and he kind of twisted the words to tell his army that she said you will be a winner. 
Okay. And that's how it started. That's the legend of it. Yeah. Um, so that's Delphi, Talabaka Meteora. I told you on the way. You can see you heard of the Spartans, right? Mm-hmm. Leonidas was a great king of theirs, and there's a statue of Leonidas that has been put out there. Mm-hmm. The battlefields were there. Legend is that the Spartans were the only bunch of people who didn't have a wall around their city because they're very happy if people mm-hmm. came in to fight them. Ma, happy. Yeah. Ma, ja, come, 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 and then go kill the bugs. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what they're a famous warrior clan. They they kind of declined after some time. they supported the greeks during the persian war that happened and because of that persia could capture greece but later the the greeks and the spartans also fought among each other and all that and that after some time they declined so that's uh, delphi kalabaka and mitora then um, of course uh, mykonos mykonos is this very very beautiful place unfortunately i didn't like it hugely Mm-hmm. Okay, so I thought it was overrun with tourists. Mm-hmm. All over the place there were tourists. There are churches. There it's extremely beautiful. The windmills are fascinating, but tourists and overcrowded. Yeah. So I didn't actually stay in Mykonos. Mm-hmm. I stayed on an island called Tinos, which is just twenty minutes away by ferry from Mykonos, and it's completely calm and serene. Mm-hmm. The Greeks go out there. The locals go out there for their uh, very famous church, the Virgin Mary is there. Mm-hmm. A lot of them go out there for their religious uh, mm-hmm. uh, offerings. Um, but that was beautiful. I stayed in Tinos and just took a ferry to go into Mykonos, see the place, and come back. Mm. That's what I did. I think Tinos was beautiful. The church was fascinating. Very less people. Small houses. There are these small um, pigeon houses in every house where they, which are meant to house pigeons. So pigeons mm-hmm. who come in and stay out there. So it's very famous for that. Very intricately carved ones. Mm-hmm. I had a ball of a time walking around Tinos. Lots of walks and lots of natural beauty. Really. I went to Santorini. Uh, that's another of those. It's a volcanic island, really, and that's again a beautiful place. The sunset there in a place called Ia in uh, Santorini is absolutely fascinating. It's like one of my friends, uh, Nadim, calls it the the sun leaking colors into the sea, <laughs> and uh, I thought this was fascinating way of putting it. But that's exactly what it's like. Someone's taking a um, bowl of molten gold and pouring it into the sea. That's how the sunset looks. Mm-hmm. I've heard about. Uh, The caldera, in specific. Right, right. Hey, and good that you've heard of that. Man. Yeah. If you could elaborate a little bit on that. Right. So uh, Santorini, basically, it's got a half moon shaped bay. Okay? Caldera is essentially a volcanic dip- depression okay, inside which the sea water accumulates. Okay. So it's a cauldron-like volcanic depression. So mm-hmm. there was a volcanic eruption that happened there during the Minoan civilization, very, very long back, and it collapsed. Like in Pompeii in Italy, right? Mm-hmm. The volcano kind of wiped them out. The Minoan civilization was wiped out by this volcano, volcanic eruption, those mm-hmm. ancient times. That's what we believe. Mm-hmm. Now it caused a lot of climate perturbations and all that. One of the biggest volcanic eruptions in Earth mm-hmm. uh, on Earth at that time. Oh. Outer edge of this ancient volcano no, gave birth to one island that's called Thira. Mm-hmm. That's the main island. Thira is the name for Santorini. Then subsequent eruptions happened in the 16th and 17th centuries. More eruptions happened over there. Now they gave birth to the islands of Paliakameni and Niakami. Now there's a lot of excavation works that happen in these places. It's an ancient volcanic thing. And then in a place called Akropiri out there, there was an island called Kalisti, which was a cradle of a very ancient civilization. It was as far back as 4000 BC. There's a lot of this that you can see. You can go on a caldera tour. You can go and see that ancient volcano, the outlines of the rim that was there, and all of that. um the sunset i told you of ia it's also very very crowded santorini because a lot of people come out there but the black beach there's a black beach there called perisa which is more or less completely completely secluded it's beautiful absolutely mm-hmm. the beach itself is black the sand is blackish uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting 
lovely promenade, lots of small shops around. You can have your beer, you can have your uh, ouzo, you can have your sipporo, whatever. And you can sit and, uh, you know, enjoy the beach. Mm-hmm. The central, the capital of uh, this island, Thira or Santorini, is a place called Fira. And that Fira has got a very, very happening nightlife, so to say. Great mm-hmm. restaurants, great, great music, and some nice clubs, lots of shopping. Mm-hmm. So that's what Santorini is. I stayed in Paris and the Black Beach and had quite a ball. Um, it's just that you have to hire a bike to move around there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's difficult to get. get so, did you hire a bike? No, I don't ride. Okay. I, I don't ride a bike. So, I just had a cab and rode. But then it kind of um, limits your movement a bit because the roads are very narrow. So, it's always preferable to do a bike. Um, I told you about Tinos. I told you about... Ah, I didn't tell you about Crete. Crete is this the center, the cradle of the Minoan civilization that was there, mm-hmm. right? And it's a less visited island because it's a bit far off, further away from Athens in the mainland than uh, Mykonos and Santorini. Crete is a bit further off. Mm-hmm. You can take a boat ride and go there or you can take a flight and get in mm-hmm. from Athens. Of course, if you're going from one of these uh, Mykonos-Santorini, then it's a shorter distance. That's beautiful. That was the cradle of the Minoan civilization. It was a very ancient civilization. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Hercules. Of course. Okay, so he had these 12 labors, right? And he was given these 12 labors uh, uh, and he had to beat each one mm-hmm. of them. The Cretan bull was one of those labors where he had to tame the Cretan bull. Okay. And that's Crete. They're very famous for their bulls out there. Okay. And he had to tame that Cretan bull. <laughs> Similarly, the son of that uh, king I told you who had gone in out there, he had to go and fight with the Minotaur. Mm-hmm. The minor labyrinths of Minotaur that is uh, famous. Uh, mm-hmm. They believe that there's a labyrinth that was there's a whole legend to that. Mm-hmm. Read my blog, you'll get okay. to figure that out. It's called it's on Crete in the Beyond mm-hmm. the Site, you'll find it. But there's a legend of this Minotaur who was half bull, half man, who was born of the Cretan bull and the uh, bee. So Hercules, of course, tamed the Cretan bull and brought it back to the mainland and presented it uh, to fulfill his labor. But then the son, the Minotaur, stayed out there and he had a labyrinth. The king had a labyrinth created below the earth and he kept rolling out there and all his political enemies, etc. He put into that Minotaur and finished them off. So this prince had gone out there to kill that Minotaur and that. Now the significance of the bull is very fascinating, especially for people from India and especially for you yeah. and your love I, for I was, I was just about to say, I mean, it sounds yeah. very much... Uh, yeah. You know, like the the so-called demons or the rakshasas down in India, who also had a a bull's head. Yes, that's right. Right? That's right. So, so they have this place called uh, Knossos, Knossos Mm -hmm. Palace. Mm -hmm. This was supposed to be where the Minoan king ruled from and the queen ruled from, etc. Now, that's being excavated as we speak. It's still being excavated. When I'd gone, their work was still going on. Distance, there's a mountain called the Mythos Mountain. Mountain. Mm -hmm. They used to believe that that was a sacred mountain. Now this entire, uh, the palace and the place of worship was facing the Mythos mountain. And if you look at the symbol of Crete or Knossos, you will find two horns of a bull. This bull is the one, uh, I mean, you would find the statues of this bull or the bull head or the horns all over the place out there. And they used to face this mountain called Mythos. Mm-hmm. It is like a bull was facing this person who's seated in the mountain. You see any similarities between yeah. the cult of Shiva yeah, yeah, yeah. and Nandi? Yeah. Luckily, when I went there, I, I don't think I would have figured it out by myself. I had this uh, uh, lady who was my guide at that time. Fascinating. She's got a PhD in history and she's a guide there. And she spent five years, Kishan, in Varanasi. She came as part of her coursework as a PhD study. She came to Varanasi and she studied uh, Shaivism and all of that. She linked the two of them up for me. Beautiful. 
and it was fascinating. That's an absolutely beautiful place, uh, Nosa's Palace, and they've got this. Uh, they're still being excavated there. These places where the athletes would come and uh, train the mm-hmm. soldiers, the place where the granaries were, um, the the trade, the center for trade, where the queen sat. And it was all remember, it was all religio-political. So the mm-hmm. queen was the religious head as well as a political. Mm-hmm. There's some theory about. It being a very women-centric uh, kind of a place, and the patriarchal Victorian society could not handle that, and therefore they went in and uh, pretended that there was a king who was more powerful, and the larger room was a king, etc. It's a it's a story there, mm-hmm. um, very similar to the Chaucer cult of mm-hmm. India, mm-hmm. on which also I've written right. on blog, where the Victorian right. sense of morality kind of took it off because it was the most ancient feminist cult. Right. I was in Heraklion. Heraklion has got this very old town, which is again very beautiful. Lots of ruins and walking around the place is fascinating. It's got a seafront that's got an old fort that were used by that was used for war, etc. A lot of Venetian history there, a lot of Ottoman history out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lion square where there are these lion heads, and there's a center square that is there. Around it is where all the restaurants and the pubs and the bars are. Fabulous, lively place. Lots of music. A great place to sit down, have a drink, have some food, and a lot of shopping that you can do in um, uh, in that place. That's about Crete, and I wish I'd stayed for longer in Crete. I plan to go there and spend a couple of weeks. Now I've done only Heraklion mm-hmm. and Rithymnos. I mm-hmm. want to go further up and explore the villages and all. So that's Greece for you, man. Can you tell us something about your uh, your standout experiences? Perhaps just the three of them, because I know you've explored Greece quite a bit. You're famous. Tell me the top three, and I will go. I think from your engineering college onwards. <laughs> Okay, so for me, the top three would be what uh, I think Meteora would definitely be one. Mm-hmm. I think Nosa's Palace was one. I think made more uh, more so because of that guide and the way she linked it up all. all. So that's second. The third for me would be Tinos. Mm-hmm. That island is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Nothing much to do there, but it's just lots of long walks, seeing those places, small quaint church, small houses, etc. So for me, the top three: Meteora. Nosos Palace and Tinos. Okay, I, I I think only Crete is something that I've heard of, and I think a uh, lot of a lot of folks who generally travel would only go down to Athens and stick to Santorini and uh, Mykonos and yes. and come back, right? So yeah, these that's... these are some additional places that one could go down to, and I think it depends totally upon their interest, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because a person who is not a historical freak might not enjoy Crete at all. Uh, yeah, going down to Crete and perhaps even uh, Meteora. Meteora, right? And even Tinos, you know, a person who's a party goer would love Mykonos. The pubs there, amazing pubs, man, amazing energy out there. Mm-hmm. But Tinos is a very relaxed, very retired kind of place in, in contrast. Mm-hmm. So if you're a very party kind of person, then Mykonos is the place, Santorini is the place for you. Right. So it depends on, on what you want. As I said, Greece has something for everybody. What would be the best time uh, to travel to Greece? Or go during summer, which is April May kind of time, or September October. And if one were to club it with any other country, would that be Turkey? Uh, as yes, that you could do close by to Turkey. Or you could do lots, man. From Athens in a one-hour flight away, you could do Croatia, you mm-hmm. could do Italy, you could do Turkey, you could do the Balkans. Mm. So you could head up from there, get into uh, Albania and uh, North Macedonia and Bulgaria and all of that also. Mm-hmm. So 
But within one hour's distance, you've got lots and great flight connections from Naples. So thank you so much, Anand. Thanks, Krishan. Thanks for having me here and listening to me patiently. Thanks for tuning in. Do come back for more such experiences to the Beyond Our Experiences Travel Podcast. Take care, stay safe, have fun, and whatever else you do, don't trip on the usual. Mm-hmm.